0: I think the common mistake is not sitting down and actually building out the foundation. First, I believe that you need to describe why are you on LinkedIn? What's your goals? What's your business objectives? Why am I here? Am I just here to just play around? Who am I going to connect with? What are we going to say to them? What kind of results do I want from doing that, that whatever that is, monthly, annually, you know, the, one month, three months, six months, 12 months. Why am I here?
1: Welcome to Smashing the Plateau. We help consultants, coaches, entrepreneurs, and small business owners build their businesses after long careers as employees. We believe you should be able to do more of what you love and get paid what you're worth consistently. I'm your host, David Schreiner-Khan. Today on Smashing the Plateau, I'm speaking with LinkedIn expert Tracy Enos. In today's episode, you will learn how you can turn LinkedIn into a revenue-generating tool. Stay with us to hear all the details. How do you feel about where your business is today? Most of us do our best work in collaborative, supportive environments. Come explore ours. The Smashing the Plateau community can help you build your business Through engaging discussions, live events, a private communication platform, accountability partners, and lots more. Learn more at SmashingThePlateau.com. Now let's welcome Tracy Enos. Tracy is very well-versed in making the best use of LinkedIn, and she has been for over a decade. She's on the front end of LinkedIn Changes and is invited to sit in on brainstorming sessions when LinkedIn kicks around changes. She works with lots of professionals, entrepreneurs, and career types, helping them substantially improve their profiles. Tracy, welcome to the show.
0: Hey, good morning, David. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here today.
1: Oh, it's a pleasure to have you on. So, Tracy, one doesn't just become a LinkedIn expert. No. I know there's a story behind this. So let's let's start off with your story. How did you end up becoming a LinkedIn expert?
0: Well, my story is very different than the, the new millennial LinkedIn expert. I think they go viral on LinkedIn and all of a sudden they're experts. <laughs> so <laughs> I took a different approach. <laughs> Mine came out of more out of necessity than anything else. So I was uh, laid off twice in four years from corporate America. I'm a single mom at that time, a single mom of two little boys uh, with a real estate and mortgage background. And so the first time I got laid off was in 08. I was a loan officer at National City Bank and I had my real estate license. And I lived in a little town called Branson, Missouri. And that's like a second home market. And we had like 18 months of inventory and no lenders at that time were gonna lend on second homes that you really had to have cash buyers. We had like 18 like months worth of inventory. And then I got laid off and I couldn't find a job. So I moved back up here to Kansas City and the work was good for two or three years because we did 80% of the Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae foreclosures in the city um, until the market improved. And so we worked primarily with investors. And then I was managing an office. I was the office broker and she decided to close her business (laughs) and move us all over the team over to Keller Williams. And then when I come to find out that she was double dipping, I'd have to pay her a portion of any of my buyers commission and Keller Williams that I wasn't going to make any money. I told her she'd go fly a kite. So what was I going to do then? I'm 10 years in the business and, you know, I'm not brand new, but I don't have a book of business in Kansas City because I didn't work in Kansas City. And so I dabbled in a few things like insurance, like final expense, mortgage protection. That didn't work out really well. And I was at a point that I had to find a job. And so I turned to LinkedIn. I was always an outside-the-box thinker anyway. So I turned to LinkedIn. I found this job with this nutrition company out of California. And I was going to make 10 bucks an hour plus commission selling their health drink in Costco and Sam's Club. So I was a demo person. And every box that I sold, I got a commission from that. Well, within a week, I became the lead. So now I'm in charge of all the demo promoters in seven stores in my city between the Kansas and Missouri side. And within a couple months, I'm field regional manager with 83 stores in seven states. So that was fun. And so I would play a lot in LinkedIn because I did a lot of traveling. And at night where everybody else was partying in the field, I wasn't. I was in my hotel room, you know, because I've always had this little entrepreneurial spirit. And so I was in there learning, you know, getting in the trenches and learning this LinkedIn thing because, you know, I got my job off of that. So within a few months after that, though, the pharmaceutical company that the company nutritional company partnered with, they ended up blowing through their whole investment in like three months and they came back in, the pharmaceutical company says, You need to make some changes. And they laid off everybody in the field but one person who is my boss, my former boss. <laughs> so there we go. Second time in four years, I'm laid off, making from six figure income down to nothing. And I was blowing through my my savings with two kids and my sister gives me a call and says, Your your sister Terry's losing her short-term memory. You need to come see her. Now Terry is She's got a a wonderful story in herself, but she's a self-made woman, incredibly talented in the graphic arts and art business. In fact, even had her own art gallery in San Jose, California. I mean, that's how good she was. And so um, I went to California and I sat down with her and she was finally able to drink her wine. She had uh, inoperable brain cancer. And I got my Moscow mule and we went out into her backyard and we had a great conversation about what I was gonna do with the rest of my life. And she was the one that encouraged me to start my own marketing agency. And I'd been dabbling in it already. Our family union the summer before she gave me some blessings on some of my stuff. So that's how I started. But I couldn't get my own clients in my own backyard of Kansas City, like networking groups, chamber meetings, BIs, you know, you know the deal. Going to physically go into those groups and I, I call it broke people trying to sell to broke people. <laughs> so I turned to LinkedIn and I started getting clients on LinkedIn. And eventually those clients turned around and said, hey, can you do this for us? And then the consulting business was born.
1: Tracy, what was the first thing you did on LinkedIn that brought you clients?
0: Well, I actually got a one client, a referral from a fellow that I had met on LinkedIn. His name was Bob Lovely. And he's in a passed away, passed away last year. And uh, he gave me my first LinkedIn profile makeover client. And they were a biotech startup here in Kansas City. And that was my first taste of doing like the done for you kind of profile stuff. And I just used that as, you know, a case study to move forward. And I just, you know, you got to understand that this is like 2013. That's very different than what it is today, as far as their profiles are concerned. I think the the marketing is the same. It's all about building relationships, but the profiles were very different. And some of the, the features and stuff didn't have, they took some away and they've added a ton more. But I think that was my first goal was, I was found out I was pretty good at it. You know, I hated writing. <laughs> I hate writing, but I found out I was pretty good at, at writing for other people. And so I don't know, you know, David, I'm going to be honest with you. That was so long ago, like 10 years ago. I think I just was me. I was just, I learned a little bit about keywords because LinkedIn is a search engine. Keywords, it's still applicable today as it was, you know, 10, 11 years ago. But I think I was just being personable and actually having a conversation with somebody. I would go connect with them and they would have a conversation. I wasn't just regurgitating an offer that I had. We just, I just started talking to them, just like you and I are talking right now just having a, you know, an informal conversation.
1: Yeah. The other thing is, as long as you know more about the subject than the person you're trying to help, you can provide value.
0: Exactly. I totally agree with that. I think a lot of people think that they're, what do they call that? The imposter syndrome. Yeah. They feel like you know they have the imposter syndrome. Don't feel like that. Who is it that said that? Was that Dan Kennedy or... One of those b- big marketing gurus that says, you probably know 90% more than your client, you know? So you shouldn't feel like you're an imposter.
1: Yeah, because that's where the value is. As long as, long as you know mm-hmm. more and you can help them get a return on their investment, it should be a good deal.
0: Yeah, so I started out as a solopreneur, I think much like your audience.
1: Yeah, and often people in our audience become solopreneurs either by circumstance or by design. Yes. They leave quite often. It's a long time work situation, a job or a series of jobs by choice, or they get pushed out. But the common factor is entrepreneurship is is hard work. And you also, you need to have the courage to step forward when you're not sure about something. And that the commonality is they're willing to take a step and they're willing to pursue it, even if it's not really clear how it's going to work out.
0: And that's what my sister did for me. And she gave me a set of dog tags with the, with the little blurb on it says, instead of impossible, it's I'm possible. So I just added the apostrophe between the I'm and the possible. And I, I hang those up in my office, right in front of my calendar every day.
1: Very inspirational. So let's fast forward to today and LinkedIn, particularly for the corporate refugees that we've just described. What are the common mistakes that they make when it comes to LinkedIn?
0: I think the common mistake is not sitting down and actually building out the foundation. First, I believe that you need to describe why are you on LinkedIn? What's your goals? What's your business objectives? Why am I here? Am I just here to just play around? You know, who am I going to connect with? What are we going to say to them? What kind of results do I want from doing that? That whatever that is, monthly, annually, you know, the one month, three months, six months, 12 months, why am I here? Right. And then once they figure out who that is, who is it that they're going to want to target? Is that, you know, new clients? Is that business partners, joint partners, vendors for your business? Is it referrals? And see, I mean... You know, who is it going to target? And you need to sit down and define that who. And you got to find out the demographics, you know, their age, their industry, their titles, annual revenue. You got to make sure they can pay you, right? You know, you got to find it, figure out the psychographics of it too. What are their pain points? What are their biggest challenges? Who are your competitors in the same space? What are they doing? What are they saying? You got to sit down and find what's the desire? What's the ultimate desire for somebody? Why would they hire you? What kind of things can you give them? What kind of problems can you solve? And I think when people don't define all those things and then they just go in and just build out a profile, and David, I'm going to be very frank with you. I'm still seeing the mistakes that people are making when LinkedIn first came out. They're still treating their profile like it's their resume right? And at the end of the day, 99% of your activities on LinkedIn is tied to your profile. It is traveling with you everywhere on LinkedIn. And so we need to showcase in the LinkedIn, I have this new acronym called the HEAT. Does your LinkedIn profile bring the HEAT? And the H stands for human, the E stands for expertise, the A stands for authority, and the T stands for trust. At the end of the day, somebody wants to know, like, and trust you before they start a conversation with you. And how do we do that? It starts with the perception of no like trust. And that starts with your profile. And I think all too often, people aren't spending a good amount of time on their profile and developing that profile that not only humanizes them, but also speaks their expertise and even further to the authority. And to build that trust, at the end of the day, that consumer or that client wants to know... What can you do for me? What's in it for me, right? And we kind of got to spell that out. They want to know that how are you different from the guy, you know, down the street that does the same thing that you do, but yet at the same time, what results, you know, can have you gotten and can you get those for me? And that was a mouthful.
1: <laughs> yeah. I have a slightly different question, which is as a solopreneur, somebody selling your, you know, like you're selling your expertise, You're going to put some of the same kind of information on your website. How is LinkedIn different than your website?
0: Well, I think every website has an about, right? About the company or the person, if they're a solopreneur. But you can take that even further with the LinkedIn profile because there's specific sections like your education, there's publications, there's projects, there's organizations, volunteer work, honors and awards. And that's not typically what you're going to put in your traditional website. I haven't seen that anyway. I don't, my website doesn't have that. I have a little about section, but it doesn't really dive deep into some personal stuff. Like, for example, I have military background, but you wouldn't know that if you didn't scroll to the education section, right? Because I don't just, I don't come out and talk about that. Um, I also worked with SCORE for four years, which is a nationwide nonprofit helping um, business owners, particularly those just starting to get into business. And I was a volunteer for them for four years. I also have the, not the, the non-businessy stuff, like I, I helped and I worked with the Special Olympics. I worked with projects, you know, some of the projects I worked with are from, you know, some, some great marketing folks. I was a co-author of a book, um, not just my own book, but with somebody else's book that became a bestseller. Little things like that, that's the no like stuff. What if you put in there that you, you know, like, let's say your honors and awards and you won your, you know, your local golf tournament, right? Put stuff in there like that. It doesn't always have to be about business. It's talking points. If you get people to scroll through your profile and you find that, you know, for example, wow, he just got some awards with his golf. That is going to be an icebreaker when you start connecting and talking to somebody in the inbox, right? Hey, I saw that you won this award for golf. People like to talk about themselves, right? That would probably denote a response. I would think so. Yeah, I like to talk about myself too. So yeah, I'm going to respond to that because look, at the end of the day, people on LinkedIn know that we're all here for the same thing. We're all here to get business, generate business. People aren't dumb, right? So they want to like you, right? And if they like you, then they're ready to move, you know, through whatever your sales funnel is, whatever that looks like for you. That they're going to move to the next step of that sales funnel because I like you. And people don't put this stuff in their profile. They, you know, I'm hearing these other gurus just saying you just need your your background banner, your headline, and your about summary. And there's so much more to the profile than that. I don't think LinkedIn would have these sections if they didn't want us to fill them out. Right. So, I mean, I, th- I think at the end of the day, the more that you can fill out all the sections, the better you're going to be. And the, the more you're going to be perceived as likable and trustworthy.
1: Now, if you're a solopreneur, when should you use your personal profile and when should you use a business profile?
0: So company pages, albeit they've received some more features over the last couple of years than they had previously. It's still a company page, which is a company page is still very, I believe, like a cold touch. Yes. Can company pages now create newsletters and articles? Do they have the opportunity to, you know, get followers and stuff like that? Absolutely. But you don't get the sections that you do in your personal profile. And at the end of the day, when somebody, if somebody lands on your company profile, they're going to go click and see all employees. They're going to go click that and go to your personal profile they're going to be engaging with you on your personal profile. Company pages cannot message somebody one-to-one through a company page. Now, through the use of some tools in Sales Navigator, there's some cool things that you can do to see you know, who the followers are on your company page and reach out to them. That's pretty cool. But still at the end of the day, you're reaching out to them from your personal profile, not your company page. So at all, like I just said, 99% of everything or your activities that you can do on LinkedIn is through that profile make it count.
1: Tracy, a a big thing for consultants and coaches is creating content so that your audience gets to know about you, gets to know what you stand for, gets to understand where your expertise is. How can you use LinkedIn as a content creation tool?
0: I first agree before you do any type of marketing on LinkedIn, you're going to pique curiosity especially if you have a great piece of content that lands in the newsfeed or it resonates with somebody, it's all going to go back to your profile. So I think regardless of whether you're doing direct outreach, you're doing some content, whether it's through the company page and or your personal profile, writing articles or newsletters, it all comes back to who's going to come back and view your profile, right? Regardless of whether you're doing one or two of the activities or all of them. But content is important But I don't think it's the most important thing until you have a a back-end, basic, well-oiled machine going on. You know, that's your lead generation. Content is an addition to that. But once you do decide to start creating content in LinkedIn, the one thing I can say, which is very different from when I was going viral back in 2015 and 16, is that LinkedIn wants consistency. And they did what, much like what Facebook business pages did several years ago, is everybody in your network was notified that you wrote a post a few years ago. Now, only about 2% of the people are going to see it. And LinkedIn just made some additional changes that people who have less than, I believe, 20,000 or 10,000 connections, they're going to start showing their content more. And then the, the quote unquote influencer people that have 30,000 plus connections or followers, they're not going to see as many impressions. They're about down 30%. I don't have 30,000 connections, but I've seen my posts down 30%. Also not to you know mention the fact that I haven't been consistent either. So consistency. So if you make a, a plan to post twice a week, Continue to post twice a week and LinkedIn will favor your posts over time. Don't do it for a month and then quit for a month and then try and start again and expect the same results because LinkedIn will punish you. Trust me, I know (laughs) from personal experience. (laughs) So, But when content is important, but content has changed, they want to see more of the personal stuff now. They want to see motivation, inspiration. They want to see stories. They want to see videos like the short little native videos. They want to see unique content, but they also want to make sure that the content resonates with your connections and your audience. And if they're not seeing that people are going and engaging with your content, then they're not going to favor that content for you later. So it's going to be just just like anything in marketing. You've got got to do it. You got to test it. You got to track it and you got to tweak it and then start when you start to see certain types of content work do more of that
1: now along those lines what are your thoughts if somebody isn't yet a consistent content creator but wants to be and they're they're looking at the different tools that LinkedIn has to be able to distribute content which method do you think they should try posts newsletters etc
0: I would say this, I think before you just start creating content for the sake of creating content, we just talked about the foundation work, finding out the, you know, the, the problems that your customers or clients have, or the ultimate desires that they have, start developing your content around that, especially if it's going to lead into either a conversation, a discovery call, a webinar, a, you know, digital course, whatever it is that you're selling, coaching, consulting, whatnot. And then I think you should just, you know, articles aren't for everybody. You got to write them, (laughs) right? (laughs) So, And now with, you know, AI and the big buzz around chat GPT and those other open AI tools, I think you can get some great ideas and brainstorming for your content and for your articles. I wouldn't use it to write your articles though. Still needs to come from you and the voice of yourself and your business. But I believe that you know, it's easier to start with regular text posts with photos than to write, you know, an a thousand word article. I think that would be complimentary, but start doing posts. The best time to post would be like Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, depending on your time zone and wherever your connections are. If most of your connections are on the Eastern time zone, then do it first thing in the morning while they're having their coffee. That might be six or seven o'clock in the morning. Something you got to test though, because it's not, it's not always that the same for everybody. It just depends on who is in their network and how active their network is. I would say like even in my network with almost 17 and a half thousand at the time of this recording, most of my network, they will respond at between 6.30 and 7.30 in the morning. I've tried to do it late afternoon. I've tried to do it during lunchtime. And for me, it's just not as as you know, not getting as much engagement as I would first thing in the morning, but I know my audience. My audience are the older generation. They're not the younger generation who's on their on their phone at 10 o'clock at night, right? My generation has to go to work. And so they're up early in the morning and this is their coffee before the work day. And they're scrolling through the feed. There's a young lady that I know, um, not my client, but she's in my network that says her clients are high level CEOs. And the best time for her to post content is Sunday evening after kids go to bed. And they, you know, they're just relaxing before the start of the work week because CEOs are busy and they're not playing on social media during the work week. They're doing it on Sunday nights. So you've got to just test it and track it. So any day of the week is great. Just start testing on what your audience likes and when you're getting the engagement. And there is a cool tool out there and it, it just escapes me that you can subscribe to. I think it's like thirty or forty dollars a month, but it will take all the analytics from all your posts and show you what's working and what's not. Just don't remember the name of the tool, David. <laughs> I just I it's it starts with an S. And I just can't think of it right now.
1: It's Monday morning. All right. No problem. Oh,
0: it's called Shield App. I knew it. I knew what's it. What's it called? Shield app. Shield
1: app. Shield app.
0: I think it's Shield App.
1: Yeah. Okay. Tracy, what's been your experience as a community member and or community leader?
0: In what community?
1: Whatever communities you've been involved in.
0: Well, I've been working from home since 05. And with the exception of SCORE, I don't belong to any chambers or any local communities. I was raising boys. <laughs> so, <laughs> and until last year, I was raising boys. <laughs> so... <laughs> I'm now an empty nester. And so I'm, but I'm still raising boys because they're only, they're 19 and 22. So I think my community is LinkedIn. I mean, I get on a lot of Zoom calls. I get on community Zoom calls and I really enjoy it because it takes me away from the everyday doldrum and I can have a fun conversation, especially on like networking calls and stuff in the evenings where I can just help somebody else. You know, I've got this wealth of information and. I don't expect anything in return and I can just share what I know. And hopefully somebody can take that information and, and grow their business from
1: it. That sounds great. Anything else you want to mention before, before we close out?
0: A shameless plug.
1: (laughs) Yeah. That's that's going to be my last question. For anybody who wants to go deeper, how can they learn more about you, access any of your content or get in touch with you?
0: As of right now I have a 31 point profile checklist that's for free I use it with my with my paying clients um, to help them keep track when we work on their profiles and you can go to the ultimate profile let me double check that yep the ultimate profile checklistcom and of course they can connect with me on LinkedIn
1: well duh. Uh, yeah
0: yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, it's important to mention that. That would seem, seem, you know, the most logical thing, but you have to tell people what to do sometimes.
1: (laughs) Most of the time you have to tell people what to do. Anyway, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today on Smashing the Plateau and share a little bit about your background and some great strategies for LinkedIn. My guest today has been LinkedIn expert, Tracy Enos. Thank you, Tracy, for joining us.
0: Thank you, David. I appreciate it.
1: When you visit the Smashing the Plateau website at smashingtheplateau.com, you'll find a summary of each episode along with the links we mention on the show. On today's episode with Tracy Enos, we learned how you can turn LinkedIn into a revenue-generating tool. How do you feel about where your business is today? Most of us do our best work in collaborative, supportive environments. Come explore ours. The Smashing the Plateau community can help you build your business through engaging discussions, live events, a private communication platform, accountability partners, and lots more. Learn more at smashingtheplateau.com. I'm David Schreiner-Khan. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode.